Cineboys to Cinemen episode 43. 43. 43. Uh, hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Mm. Uh, this week, uh, Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. That's the film we went to see yesterday. Yesterday. It's very fresh in my mind still. Yes, very fresh in my mind also. Mm. Equally, <laughs> equally fresh in my mind. Odd to watch it now, given that it is a Christmas film. Essentially. Big time. I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be... I mean, I knew it was set in the winter because of the trailer, but, like, my God, is it a festive movie? Yeah, it's got a lot of... It's got a, I mean, thematically, maybe not so festive, but the sort of backdrop bleeds into the themes quite well, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's weird watching it, because in January, the last thing you want to think about is Christmas. Yeah, I think we've touched on this before, but, like... It seems so far away, and it's just that it's an odd thing to reconcile. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's like remembering a dog you don't like that died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I just, want to remember this dog. Uh, but yeah. but it's getting presented to me on screen in a film directed by Alexander Payne. That cruel bastard. <laughs> yeah, that's the title of the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird. I guess, you know, we lament this fairly regularly on Cinema Voice to Cinema, but the release yeah. uh, scheduling, scheduling, you know, it's um, it's frustrating for situations like this because I think that would have been a really nice movie to watch in the build-up to Christmas. Oh, agreed, yeah, would have 100%. perhaps sort of um, injected some festive spirit. yeah. I think it's it all got, he needed. It got it got a limited release so it could qualify for the Oscars mainly, but the strategy that I don't know who distributed it, but it is it was a bad move, I think, because yeah. I mean luckily it's not really marketed as a Christmas film, but it you feel like it's sort of semi false advertising when you go in there and everyone starts the first song is like a carol. Yeah. A Christmas yeah. carol and uh, all right then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As it's Alexander Payne, mm. we'll talk about him. A very prominent figure, certainly in sort of dark comedy. Well, in the terrain of dark comedy, sorry, for the last sort of 20 or 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some, made some absolute corkers, which we'll discuss. Completely, yeah. A couple of duds as well. Uh, one of which being... Da- downsizing. Downsizing. I didn't even watch it. Again, I you know, I, I remember seeing the trailer come up quite a lot and thinking, that looks wank. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to think that, because I, I fucking love Alexander Payne's work, re- by and large. But, I don't know, that felt like a real departure from what he's done Big mistake. Yeah. yeah, curious. I have seen it, and um, I'll talk or we'll chat about it in a bit. Oh, it's interesting. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll wait on tender hooks uh. through the nipples. Right, <laughs> shall we? Shall we? Yes, yes, we shall. Questing the cinematic void. All right then. So uh, Alexander Payne. Mm. I think a way to sort of characterise a lot of his movies is, or maybe the ongoing theme throughout a lot of his movies is human imperfection. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Um, the comedy comes in that in, in, within the imperfection. Yeah, and people's reactions to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And how almost in the ignoring of it as well. Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of sort of at least at face value characters ignoring the imperfections of themselves or indeed in others. Mm. But it becomes apparent as his films go on that there's this sort of growing sense that people are very aware of these problems and, and mm. these demons or these. In, in certainly in the case of the holdovers, the quiet anguish that sort of drives the imperfections yeah you know, yeah you know creates them when i think about the strengths of alexander payne or the strengths in his work that's something that really stands out for me oh yeah yeah definitely it's sort of exploration of a deeply flawed human being and the ultimate revelation that they are still a human being right so they still have like love to give they still have sort of passions drives desires and they've been quashed or you get the feeling that quite often they're 
they've been quashed by sort of militant either regime or a rigid state of mind i suppose yeah like that's sort of like societal expectation and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i would agree with that the only exceptions i think by and large would be thomas hayden church's character in sideways yeah he just seems like a fucking prick yeah, yeah, completely. He's like a failed actor. Isn't yeah, he? yeah. But he's again that that that's maybe part of his his sort of trauma as, as an individual. But uh, yeah, absolutely. and he's he's, he's a fucking hilarious prick. Don't he's get me so wrong. funny, um, and it works in the context of that film. And, and yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I think maybe I've actually sort of just argued with myself and lost there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, no. You're right though. It's largely you know the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> you got like about Schmidt. You got even sideways with is it Miles? I think he's called. Yeah, Miles. Yeah. Yes. Um, Good memory. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was looking him up earlier today. <laughs> okay. Uh, track that. <laughs> Put that out, Ben. Um, Nebraska with... Uh, who plays it? Bruce Dern? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, arguably The Descendants, although that's that's a lot more sort of family-centric, isn't it? In terms yeah, of- it's probably one of his more thematically softer films, I mm. think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think that his films... You know, they tend to be driven by quite dark themes. You know, mm. like depression. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, trauma, uh, and how that sort of, the sort of cyclical nature of it. You know, a trauma, a person with trauma tends to manifest more for themselves or others. Mm, yeah. Uh, or, or or just pain, perhaps more broadly, not necessarily just trauma. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Alexander Payne. <laughs> Reference convergence. Yes. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Over. Yeah. That's, that's it. Finished. Oh, yeah, thanks very thanks much for, for listening. listening. Yeah, yeah. outro. No, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I think um, there's something interesting in the way he presents it, in that it doesn't feel unrelentingly bleak. No. There's a sort of light tone that seems to permeate, even in some of the darker elements of his films, that mm. it doesn't feel like you're sort of free-falling into some sort of like thickened, dark quagmire that yeah. sort of you know completely absorbs you to the point it has a real sort of long-lasting emotional impact on you. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean... Not to say that his films don't impact me emotionally, because after the whole day was, I did feel this kind of, like, sort of slight melancholy that yeah. sort of followed me. But that's what it is. It's not like you're not submerged in it, necessarily. No, no. It's not sort of a kind of black-and-white German experimental film about, you know, depression. But it is still there, and it's... it. He somehow manages to make his films very, very watchable. And very easy to follow, very kind of quite straightforward, but yes. the themes are running through that, and he's sort of normalising it a little bit in a way that I think sometimes like things like depression get sort of fetishised and presented in like a sort of dark, visual, cloudy way, which I, I like that stuff a lot. I oh, think yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it can but be done effectively, for sure, yeah. Yeah, but that pain's not about that at all. I think no, he's, doing, he's sort of weaving it into... Mm in a way that complements his stylings whilst also being sort of present enough to feel like there's an element of sort of, I guess, like a rawness to it. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes uh, that can present as... um, Unsubtlety. Yeah, completely. Uh, Which I think he is. He's not particularly subtle. No, no. I was thinking of that coming out of the holders and that's one of my main kind of criticisms. But is it a criticism? Because I don't think it would have worked the other way either. And I I say that films are unsubtle quite a lot. I've talked about that quite a lot on like various episodes. (laughs) And it's like a a very common thing for me to jump to. I don't know why I kind of try and... Maybe I try and seek out subtlety in Mm. in films when it isn't given to me I sort of maybe feel a little bit confronted by that yeah I think there's something about the you know films that present a theme or an idea with subtlety I think 
just personally to me that they do linger with you for longer because I think yeah. you know you there's a greater chance for you as the viewer to, to sort of imprint your own experience onto the movie and to the characters or the yeah, world and yeah. I think that is what will stay with you for a long period of time yeah but as sort of I don't want to say sort of a more entertaining presentation but they kind of, kind of, kind of is with Alexander Payne because he's yeah. so good at just making these sort of very sort of as you say, narratively streamlined experiences that just tick the boxes. They can be funny. Yeah. They kind of arouse a sort of sense of sadness or pity or, yeah, yeah. you know, and it, sometimes where it's not always necessarily deserved. And I think that's a real strength of his as well. So I think it is, it's not necessarily a criticism of him to say that he's unsubtle. No. But I think this film particularly was quite unsubtle. I think the character motivations were laid out very early doors. With the oh, exception yeah. of the the young lad, I think his reveal towards the end of the film was really yeah. well done. I thought that would go. Oh, well, the so. yeah, yeah, of course. The yeah, yeah. We'll t- we'll talk about Alex. That's interesting that you mentioned that actually. Um, if if you were, if I were to be unkind towards pain, uh, not pain as in the the feeling, the the director Alexander Payne, um, I would say that it. It does make his films slightly predictable at times. Like you can yeah. kind of, you watch the first twenty minutes, and you're like, I think I know how this is going to end. Like I think yeah. I know who's going to end up with who, or who's going to realize, oh, they're not such a bad guy, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. a big thing in a lot of his films. And again, it's a, it's harsh. It's a harsh way to start, but um, no, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's important a point. It's important to point out in the context of the holdovers as well. But he's also good at like you know laying down. You know, possible routes for characters, and then snatching that away. Oh, you so, said so yes. You, you can yeah, sort of offset yeah. that too, like mm. you know. And I think he, gra- you know, he's quite. I think he understands that people have a certain set of expectations when they come into his movies, or indeed, as an audience, you are conditioned by expectations towards the genre. You know, whether yeah. you know it or not, you're going to. You know, if you've a fairly regular film watcher, you're going to be conditioned, even if you're aware of it or not, and mm. that's going to instruct how you expect a film is going to go. And I think he is. Whilst I, I agree there is an air of predictability about the certain character arcs, I think he is quite good at snatching the more sort of fanciful arcs mm. and almost like in a way that makes you feel more sorry for the characters because even they've started to believe those fanciful arcs. Yeah, Again, yeah. we keep saying like in the holdovers, but there's that particular moment that we both noted when we were chatting That was about a good moment. Car, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, car, car drive home, car drive home. The car drive home. Car drive home. Shitty Fiat 500 I've got at the moment. <laughs> That's another story for another time. Anyway, I quite like the look of it, but yeah. I, I don't know anything about cars, so well, I, have no I don't want to do with cars. <laughs> Sorry, that took a very sharp left turn very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Back to pain. Yeah, the director. <laughs> so let's talk about a couple of his movies. Um, I haven't had a chance to rewatch them, but a few of them are sort of quite burnt into my mind. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, Am I right in thinking that we probably think that Sideways is his best film? Yes, it's my favourite Alexander Payne film about uh, a teacher slash failed writer played by Paul Giamatti. <laughs> um, the second being <laughs> Holdovers. <laughs> yes, I, it is my favourite. Um, I, I've i only seen it the once, but I have a lot of fond memories of watching it. And it's excellent. It's great. Like the, the whole wine thing really works. It shouldn't, like... On paper, it sounds like a really boring film, and it's not. It's the loveliest, sweetest, most really hilarious. Quite again, doesn't shy away from dark. The darkness, particularly uh, in the case of like 
delving into Miles's mind and like what he's going through. I think Jamati's mm. a really fantastic actor for presenting an outward appearance and then but also you can see in his eyes there's something else haunting yeah yeah um agreed yeah well cast uh in sideways and then the unlikely uh, duo of thomas hayden church who's like the exact opposite it's the classic sort of almost a british sitcom levels of like you've got one character and then the other who uh, you know they're the exact opposite, but opposites attract, right? It's that formula. Quite yeah, lame. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love Sideways. Um, I remember a lot of dramatic crying in it as well, breaking yeah. down a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I, I adore it. I, I, I really, really love it. Um, I think it's interesting you mentioned that sort of the nature of the sort of relationship between the two characters. I think that's really central to it, isn't it? And yeah. how Thomas Hayden Church Miles drags him along for the ride, just drags him into his sort of like debauched sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, lifestyle and, and the sort of the lies that he has to maintain. Mm. And I love the way the lie gets revealed as well when they just sat out having a picnic yeah. and he goes, no, I've got a wedding. Yeah, so what wedding? Yeah. And then it all just falls apart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. good. Such a great reveal. <laughs> oh, amazing. Watch the film. I mean, I've just ruined quite a big plot point for you, but... That's all right. I think maybe... 2004. That's, yeah. a long, that's long enough ago to sort of like, <laughs> you know, spoil it without recourse. Yeah. Have you... Um, uh, sorry, go on. No, go on. Uh, apparently they've, uh, they've made a wine for it. It's a Pinot Noir as well. Oh, is it? Which is obviously Miles, if you've seen it, it's Miles' favourite wine although he's all he was simultaneously frustrated by it as well when he gets yeah. bad ones um another sort of excellent kind of his his relationship with wine is like it's the same thing that like people you know i've said this before about star wars fans oh just thinking yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah i was thinking about when you said that he, yeah. he's like he's the yeah the 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 biggest fan ever of wine and he he hates wine i swear yeah, to god yeah, he kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. sort of hates it yeah yeah um I guess it's his, his sort of burden to bear in the, in the film. Yeah, it's almost like the pursuit of something perfect, but he isn't quite aware of what perfection is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a great bit at the end where he drinks it. Uh, he, he drinks his like prized bottle in in like a diner, doesn't he? In a styrofoam oh, cup. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a really sweet but tragic moment. I think that's like a low point before before things start to possibly peak up for him. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I think it's just a wonderful examination of that sort of human, sort of, or particularly masculine in this case, impulsivity. Did I say that right? Impulsivity. Impulsivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it's like a pulsivity or yeah. like an extra IS yeah. in there that I'm omitting <laughs> with my um, lack of eloquence. Is it eloquence? <laughs> Fucking hell, the irony. <laughs> Is it elo- uh, yeah, it's eloquence. It's eloquence, actually. Eloquence. Well done. No, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just you just feel so sort of bizarrely sympathetic for poor Giamatti because he's just been dragged along, mm. and it's a situation that I don't know. I, I reckon a lot of people could really easily find themselves in, yeah, just being yeah. sort of like thrown into this situation by someone that's so confident. And if you're someone like him who is so devoid of confidence, mm. having to hastily sort of construct this sort of facade. Yeah, uh, and I think that's what really works about it is is the is the sort of nature of which both characters respond to those situations and deal with it. Um, yeah. And I think Thomas Hayden Church, I mean, Jim Martin is undeniably, you know, the sort of the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant things about the film. But Hayden Church is so perfect in sort of supporting that, mm. you know, through being this sort of impulsive reckless, single-minded, incredibly selfish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
individual. Yeah. He almost sort of allows Giamatti to like quietly sort of dominate. Mm. You know, in a way that really works. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've all been in that sort of situation, I feel, where there, there's someone who is even more confident than you or just more confident than you in a particular moment and they're really jazzed about like a night out or something and you're maybe slightly less so. You go along for the ride and they're just talking you up and it's like, it's so, it's quite oppressive, like an oppressive feeling because there's an expectation of you to follow, yeah, follow their lead yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's really, yeah, this film captures that really well, I agree, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I've said it before, but Jumanji's performance in this is—he's got—he's like a slight stammer. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, he, get, he gets nerve yeah. when he gets nervous. It—it's like a tick of his. Yeah, um, yeah. And he does a really good job of not making that like a, a hokey kind of acting. Yeah, it feels quite real, and it feels part of his very, being. I think there's just mm. something about him that just plays these kinds of characters so fucking well. Yeah, like yeah. It's just the way he looks. Yeah, his mannerisms. I mean, I don't know how much crossover there is between. Him and his this particular character. I hope this, you know. Hope not too. Yeah, much, I hope, but, but hope you're right, Paul. He's playing some villains. I think. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he in Shoot 'Em Up? Yes. Like, doesn't he rub like a dead woman's breast? Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking right. that. I don't know. Why, I've not thought about that film for about yeah. fucking since I saw it because I was like, whatever. I'll just yeah, forget about. It. I was, yeah. You know, it was. I was probably like a teenager. And then, as I sat down to watch the holdovers, and the, and the first scene of a minute, he's just sat at the desk marking his work. Yeah, I just yeah. remember this really bizarre scene where he just strokes this dead woman's breast, oh, plays with this dead nipple. Oh my god! And I remember yeah. thinking, like, why? A, that was a fucking weird moment in a largely pretty shit film. Yeah, yeah. Two, why am I thinking of it now? <laughs> yeah, like, of all the high points of his career as an actor, that's the thing I gravitate to. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had the similar thing I kept harking back to Lady in the Water because he have you seen Lady in the Water it's like an M. Night Shyamalan it's like one of his duds uh, in oh no I haven't not. seen it no I, I'm a bit of a defender of it I don't know why because um, it's largely shit um, but there's something about it which I find quite appealing I don't yeah, really yeah, know what I that completely is buy it. yeah I'm with you with Signs right Signs is largely seen as his dud but I quite like Signs yeah man I, I think Signs is great I actually don't mind the village either um, yeah I, well, again again <laughs> I, I'm with you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyway um, again, yeah. there's something about the knowing it's sort of shit yeah, it's it's not the same as um, there's a there's a sense of worth to it in 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 the same kind of way when we talk about um, I fucking did this last week. Oh, Southland Tales. Southland Tales. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Southland Tales is a better yeah, example so. of that yeah. by a mile, but that sort of feeling of like almost like critically re-engaging with it in a different way. Not yeah. to sound sort of like wanky or smart. No, 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 I agree with you. I think you know. I don't know. There's just something about him like Shadowman's films that that's. Even especially his duds that are really good for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and Jumati, you know, brings it brings it to the table with Lady in the Water. I actually think he's quite good in it. He's got a stammer in Lady in the Water. He's definitely got a stammer in that. So maybe yeah. I'm wrong in the sideways way, but there's well, there's definitely you, so. well, there's definitely <laughs> like an awkward. Like <laughs> I can't remember if it was sideways or Lady in the Water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everyone I mean, has this conundrum have, at there, one there point. There is some sort of like, I think there are elements of crossover in a lot of his movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily a reflection of him as an actor. I just think the roles that he plays, he's so good at it. Like, 
And yeah. he doesn't play them all the time. It's not like, you know, Paul Giamatti plays another sort of depressed academic mm. who has like a moral or spiritual reawakening as a result of something. You know, yeah, like yeah. you know that's not, <laughs> it's not something he plays often. And I quite like that, you know, him and Alexander Payne, it's what, 2004 sideways, wasn't it? Yeah, it so was, yeah. There's, a, you know, been a long time between, you know, this and, and the holdovers. And I like that. I like that there's space. Mm, yeah. Um, because it gives worth to each, and merit to each performance in both films. Yeah, agreed. He could have so easily just been in like loads of his films, mm. which again might not necessarily have been a problem because there are plenty of actors that do that with certain directors and it works. Like, yeah, yeah. But I like the space between them. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, he d- his character is very different in Holdovers. Actually, in Sideways, he's like the 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 depression in Sideways is sort of quite op- oppressive. But I don't yeah. mean that in a bad way. But it's like the. F- it's who he's laying background in the whole yeah, yeah yeah he's laying it define him in sideways um, yes yeah yeah and not so much in holdovers but uh, yeah I need to watch some more Giamatti films the only other one I can think of that most is the Amazing Spider Man two oh yeah <laughs> when he plays the Rhino in a bizarre role oh god yeah yeah uh, That's strange isn't it yeah I don't, but um, uh, American Splendor. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a really weird. That's an awkward poster, isn't it? Of him yeah, like, looking annoyed. Fucking good in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was that and sideways that sort of like, mm. and now you know how he announced himself to the world. Yeah, as an actor, yeah. Really. <laughs> but yeah, no. Let's talk. Let's move on to a couple of his others. Yep. Uh, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set in his home state, hometown. That's I think right. He's from Omaha, isn't he? Yeah, is he from he's, he's from yeah. I think he is. I don't. Do you know what though? He didn't write it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Someone else wrote he it. He co-writes a lot of his scripts, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He also co-wrote um, Jurassic Park three. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry as well. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He um, he didn't write that one, but he. I think he was attached to it for he a didn't long write time. Holdovers actually. No, no, he didn't. No. Yeah. Uh, but I think he. Yeah, he he does. He's involved in the screenplay sort of process for a lot, but with the Brasca, I think it was a happy accident because he is from there, and you can tell as well. Yeah, there's the reverence, that. isn't there? Mm, yeah, absolutely. that sort of awkward sort of relationship you have with your hometown. I think we've talked about this before. I remember thinking about it in the context of Ladybug because that captured that really well. That sort of like that youthful desire to escape. Yeah, and you get to like a certain age and think, oh. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and that becomes like reverence and a desire yeah. to return. And, Absolutely, yeah. You know, there's a sort of complexity to that emotion because you sort of haven't quite lost the reason why you want to get away, mm. but you then you also feel an overwhelming sense of like yearning to return to it. Yeah, and, and are kind of anxious and frustrated when things have changed a bit. Yeah, like when a restaurant <laughs> yeah, yeah. closes down, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah, I liked yeah, it yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I saw. Nebraska at when at uni actually oh really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah when we were at uni and um and I yeah loved it it was great it must have been 2013 I think yeah yeah it was 2013 yeah yeah yes yeah. right yeah when I saw Nebraska um I went through a slight I did Payne's films a lot of them at the same time um because Alfie showed me election oh yeah and then I kind of went on a bit of a binge I did, I haven't seen all of them actually but uh I went I I bought about schmidt after borrowing election then i watched the descendants then i think i had sideways already and had already watched it so i didn't watch that one again and then i watched um nebraska and fucking downsizing <laughs> oh yes uh, that was off i think i saw that yeah obviously that didn't 
didn't come out for a long time afterwards, but um, it, it was it was a sort of a week <laughs> where I kind of saturated myself with the saturated by pain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we should call this podcast. Actually, this particular episode, saturated by pain. saturated by pain. <laughs> um, yeah, I like Nebraska a lot. Very yeah, I, stylistically, I think it's his most interesting movie. I think mm. the black and white, obviously, he's not done that since or before. No, as far no. as I can remember. I don't think so. Um, yeah, and again, it's sort of all about, it's almost like, a, it's similar to about Schmidt in the way that a character's almost sort of like revisiting parts of himself that, you know, that life's just gone in, gone by. Yeah, yeah. And the behaviours have just sort of drifted past and there's not been a lot of time for sort of self-reflection. And Well, maybe there is, or maybe there's that sort of part of him, which a lot of Alexander Payne characters do, which they sort of like shelve it in a way that, you know, obviously they they've put it away in the, the deepest recesses of their mind, but it's still there and it's still sort of it's still it's still prominent yeah, in, but in their boil, boiling back to the surface. Yeah, 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 and so this boiling shelf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I think both those films are quite good for that. Yeah, you know, sort of reflecting yeah. on having like a, something happen in your life, which means it forces that reflection on you. Yeah, it can start with sort of bitterness, and then yeah, the, the yeah. warmth comes from that, and the, the interactions that their character has with other people. And, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I liked that. I, I, I need to. I do need to see it again. And that's almost like my phrase, actually, of uh, <laughs> the kind of podcast phrase. Like, need to watch it again. Need to watch Castaway again. Need to watch all of Payne's films again. It's Nebraska is the one I sort of remember the least, which is weird because I do remember really enjoying it. I, I it's a it same year as her. I've got a feeling yeah. like, yeah, I think I watched that and her in the same cinema. It wasn't the Merlin, it was um, the one where we used to do film screenings from Union. What was that called? The Phoenix. Uh, no, 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 because no, the Phoenix was the Merlin yeah. one, wasn't it? Oh, what was that called? The Pixelate Film Festival was there. <laughs> yes. What was that fucking cinema called? Oh, God. Doesn't... Uh, Doesn't... Please it's... email in. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Or oh, message on Instagram. Yeah, I, it feels like I watch them one after the other, but I know that probably isn't the case. But when you reflect on things like that, it always seems a lot closer. Yeah. Um, Similarly-ish themed. Her, and yeah. I mean, just and in I terms do of the time. I think I preferred her, so I like, maybe I that s- sort of like jumped ahead of it. Maybe. I saw her recently. It's great. It's yeah, so it good. still holds up. It's, it's the loveliest thing. Um, yeah. It's, I, I really hope Joaquin Phoenix plays a role like that again at some point because he seems to have ventured into that kind of Oscar-y, art house but not really territory. And I just like... Yeah, I feel like her was the beginning of that, though. Maybe, I feel like her was the start of playing these sort of, like, pudgy, sort of, like, lonely men. Mm, I don't know. Which, he's, obviously, he's mining that quite a lot at the moment with, with Bo is Afraid and Napoleon. Yeah. Um, oh, and yeah, don't wrong, he's pretty, you know, good at it. But, mm. no, I think you're right. It'd be, maybe it'd be nice for him to return to something. But I know what you mean. He's in that sort of weird space now. Obviously, Joker... Part two is coming out. Folly I do. Folly I do. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we'll have to cover that because I've sort of laid into the first one enough on this podcast. So Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it'd be good to... I mean, it'd be quite interesting to watch some <laughs> Did films. Really, that... We're doing nasal thing. It's almost like I'm so smug and self-satisfied because I had a go at a film. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one? I had a go at that film. Remember, guys? <laughs> yeah. Aren't I clever? We watch the sequel. We won't like Hell. it. No, well, you know, probably won't. Imagine if it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I will be totally ready for that. 
No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah I will yeah. accept it if I like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that precious, but I'm just anticipating that I won't on the basis that the first one is so poor. Mm. And, I, and it annoys me how much reverence people have for it. But that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, yeah, we've we've strailed wildly, wildly, wildly off topic off. Yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. Uh, what other films? I want to talk about downsizing a little bit. Go on, yeah, because I, I again. Trailer looked fucking poo. Yeah, um, it's a lot wrong with it. A, a, a lot wrong. Does with... it feel like Alexander Payne? Film? No, it doesn't. It feels like uh, a misguided Matt Damon vehicle, vehicle, right? Directed by I don't know, like Mark Forster or someone, like a director for hire who's <laughs> right, not, not okay. really. I mean, he's done Finding Neverland. That was quite good. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, it's just like tonally it. It wrestles with the themes that Payne likes to wrestle with. In the case of downsizing, it's a sort of a break, the breakdown of a relationship at the beginning. But it's done amidst this kind of science fiction eco storyline about the fact that you're a lot more efficient when you're smaller. And like nanotechnology is sort of the way forward. So everyone's getting shrunk down. So there's all of a sudden enough food and enough resources to like the planet to last forever. Um, but it's just an odd choice pain's an odd choice for the the yeah the you know the director's chair um and he's trying to sort of weave his trademark take on the world with a, a sort of like acerbic sort of yeah, yeah like right on a napkin kind of idea yeah yeah um and then it and it strays wildly off to, uh, kind of pieced if you will in the third act and it just turns into like a film about norway Right, <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um, yeah, totally all over the place. Uh, there's a lot of there's like a white savior narrative in it. Um, it's it, Matt Damon makes some strange choices sometimes. Like he's yeah. a good actor, yeah, but yeah. he did that Great Wall film that was like oh, a God, Chinese yeah. US yeah, yeah. co-production that did performed terribly. Was it um, Yimou Zhang that directed that? I I can't tell you. I must. But the internet can. Zhang Yimou, yeah directed uh the great, the great war. war and he's like you know he made house of flying daggers okay you know uh, raise the red lantern like this guy's pretty fucking great pretty pre- you know made some pretty excellent belters yeah i mean house films. of flying daggers is fantastic so to go from that to some bizarre again it, you know maybe like alexander payne i mean i'm just speculating about both mm. of these guys here but one for the studio yeah to sort of you know, line the what line the wallet it might have been that, yeah, but there's a lot of, yeah, there's this whole sort of white saviour narrative in it, which is, even in 2017 when there wasn't as much of debate about that kind of thing, um, although there was, like, to a certain extent, it was it was like an odd choice, and I remember thinking that was, like, quite an uncomfortable move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, oh, it's just a big mess. It's really unusual for him. I remember uh, thinking that just. I mean, again, I'm going on a trailer, which is something uh, I shouldn't really do. There's but. a stupid gag in it where he looks at his cock, and it's like cause obviously he's he's shrunk down, and he looks and he goes, "Oh, thank God," you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's not so shit. I mean, it would have been more bold for the film if they cut the cock stayed the same size. Yeah. So they shrunk, but their cock stayed the same size <laughs> when they were like the, the height they are now. Downsizing except except cock, which remains normal size. <laughs> yeah, just carrying it around like a Hot Wheels car or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I would mean, have been a better film. Yeah. So if you're listening, mate, recut. <laughs> it was spend just... millions on effects. Yeah. <laughs> Fix it. 
<laughs> just have everyone carting genitals and wheelbarrows. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's just a baffling little movie that didn't didn't perform well. No one really liked it, and he didn't make a film again until The Holdovers. Although he, he's got into the habit of having quite extended breaks sometimes between... Films like I think side between Sideways and The Descendants, there was like quite a long gap. Yeah, there was. So it's like 2011. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Fucking hell, I'm on a roll with these film uh, dates. I'm, Usually, I'm I'm fucking floundering. Ah, no, no, no. 2011 confirmed. Um, <laughs> hey Google, no. Uh, yeah. So clearly, we're not recommending downsizing. But no, it, I mean, I can't really because I've not seen it. But based on the trailer, I definitely wouldn't. And your opinion, which I hold in quite high regard. Oh well, thank you very much. So should you guys at home? <laughs> maybe not at home. Maybe you're <laughs> maybe you're around. away. Yeah, yeah. On a bus, pounding the streets. Yeah, in Central Park, New York. Yeah. Uh, I, do you know what? We don't have many listeners that aren't English. Oh, fair enough. And even the English ones we do get from from abroad are my friends that live abroad. Live abroad, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I get excited. I think, oh bloody hell, look at that, yeah. Canada. And I just, just Jack. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Miss you, but oh. we keep listening. But, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, maybe get some of your Canadian friends to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stop snowboarding. Stop being a loser. <laughs> Imagine if our like listener base was primarily like in Stuttgart or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a really obscure German town. Yeah. Um anyway, downsizing. City, isn't it? Stuttgart. Is it? Shit. Sorry, mate. Sorry. To all of our loyal that's Stuttgart embarrassing. fans. Yeah, 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 that's embarrassing, mate. Oh, oh god. Don't watch it. It's not very good downsizing. Um <laughs> it it was marketed like one of those stupid kind of broad comedies with yeah. like the main character gets a white background going like looking confused yeah, yeah. it had um, talking heads as well as yeah that's right yeah, it yeah. started to make me hate the song which is annoying because I fucking love talking heads but yeah, it's just annoying yeah. to have to fucking hear that <laughs> and then again like, as you say the most cliche sort of like sort of tepid American comedy visuals yeah. over the top I can't believe I found myself in this situation yeah <laughs> <laughs> however will I get out of this <laughs> um, yeah it was one of them which is a shame uh, and uh, a pain you might say. Yeah. Uh, no, it is an anomaly, though, because everything else he's done is either excellent or, you know, up there. Yeah, not, I think not perfect. I th- yeah, there. I think, you know, like, there's been a couple of deviations from the sort of thematic territory we've previously discussed. Yeah. But the films that sort of stay on that trajectory of the sort of well, thematic trajectory tend to be solid. Mm. Like, even Descendants, I mean, that film wasn't, it was not something I would consider great. But no. I mean, um, you know, it's just quite watchable, quite enjoyable. Like yeah. a, a decent George Clooney performance, playing a character you've seen before, hundred percent. Yeah, a lawyer, isn't it? Yeah, a family in Hawaii, and his family is sort of falling apart. Or something, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Again, been a while, but uh, yeah, you know, that's fine. Fine film. Yeah, I, th- that is that was one of those Oscar films. We I kind of mentioned this last time. It was one of those Oscar films that were was really big around when the Oscars were happening, and then it just faded into nothingness. Mm. Uh, and I can understand why, because it, it's just like you know, once the hype for it's died down, it's it doesn't it doesn't really have a long shelf life. No. Um, whereas, and I'd actually be quite interested to see what happens this year with the films at the Oscars. Whether you know what kind of can hold its own after yeah. all that goes away. 
and what will sort of recede into into the distance forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just it, there is always that sort of fallout with the Oscars where things just films do just slip away, don't they? Into yeah, yeah. It, there's almost like an oversaturation mm. around you know of interest around each film that's been nominated for you know obviously the the big hitters, you know the big the big awards. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I I think it'd be interesting to see what happens. To, I mean, I was surprised. I don't know. I, I mean, I always find the fucking Oscars lineup surprising anyway, because uh, I just think, or oh, whatever. You know, don't doesn't mean there isn't good films in, in in you know in those lineups that may be deserving of awards. But I've made it quite clear before that I'm not really that asked. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'd never stay up for it or anything. No, which is surprising because I imagine some people might be slightly slightly confused by that. Yeah, based on like the fa- yeah, 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 yeah. But no, no, I don't think. Yeah, it's... I, I, I obviously I check, but I'm just I'm just not. It doesn't motivate me. Like no. to, it doesn't motivate me to watch the movie necessarily. No, yeah. But then I do get annoyed when certain directors don't get the the sort of recognition they deserve, like Scorsese, for example, or Paul Thomas Anderson, who still hasn't won an Oscar. Is he not? Yeah. I know Scorsese didn't win till The Departed, which, which is again, baffling. I mean, yeah. Departed is a good movie, but it's like yeah. it does feel like a way a, a kind of kind of Oscar. It's like sorry. Yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah. About that. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's the same way, like again, not to mention the Joker, but Joaquin Phoenix winning for the Joker. It's yeah. like a way of saying, yeah, you probably should have had something for the master, really. You know, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, Do you know no, what I mean? It's like no. a sort of. It's because the it's because the master Oscar. stood the test of time. Like people still talk about that film. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, and uh, and then you know, like yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, people are like, oh, I didn't get as many Oscars as you you know you might have thought. So. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Uh, yes. Uh, no, but that's my two cents about. Uh, the Descendants. I don't really remember. I was about to say downsizing, but I've already discussed. Yeah, that. that's in the rearview mirror now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember. Actually, don't remember much about the plot or any much. I remember George Clooney sitting on a beach, looking miserable. I remember him walking around doing that sort of like urgent walk thing that he does. <laughs> he has. Like, he's nailed that sort of like semi-urgent walk between yeah. situations. Yes, and he's really good at it. Mm. In, you know, in certain films, like like uh, No Brother Where Art Thou, he does it quite a lot, and it sort yeah. of works. <laughs> but like here, it's like, yeah, okay, you're just doing this, this weird little walk, you know, like <laughs> a sort it. of like a sort of pigeon that can't quite fly, cause it's, uh, and it just sees like a woman scattering. Yeah, seeds <laughs> or bread, it's just just just, just, a, just just out of reach. Yeah. And it sort of panics, its head starts <laughs> moving, and it. Yeah, uh, it's bizarre what you remember from. Yeah, particular movies. Yeah, that um, and Paul Giamatti stroking a, stroking dead a dead woman's dead nipple, woman's breast, yeah. a greying nipple. <laughs> Should we go on to the film? Yes. Well, we talked about films, but the film in question, yeah. the holdovers. Mm. You know, going into it, obviously you're aware of the sort of discussion around a movie, no matter how much you try to ignore it. And I was already sort of semi-aware that, by and large, it was considered a return to form for him. Yeah. And almost yeah. like a hark back to the Alexander Payne of old, in terms of, again, working with Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Um, and that was very much in my mind. And I was kind of prepared for that to ruin the experience for me. Right, yeah. As we we often talk talk about this in this context, in the sense the exterior buzz or noise around a film, be that positive or negative, can have a real impact on even sort of you know seasoned film watchers like ourselves. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's really definitely. fucking annoying, and no matter how much you try to avoid it, like even by the virtue of going to the cinema. Like you're going to have like those sort of expectations raised because you know 
They tend, yeah. Sometimes they put like little snapshots or, you know, sort of like um, little tidbits from a review from like, mm. you know, just to sort of heighten the marketing buzz. But yeah, I don't know. I just went in with that and I was worried. Yeah, okay. Because I do really like Alexander Payne. He's someone that, I, you know, when I'm always interested. Uh, I don't talk about him often, but when he comes up, it's always like, oh, God, yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah. Did you feel that at all? Uh, I yeah, because I mean, some a couple of people have told me that it's great, and that's usually okay. sometimes. Did Alfie like, like it? Yeah. Uh, do you know what? When I was speaking to Alfie, he hadn't yet seen it. Oh, but he'd heard great things about it and was okay. talking to me about those great things. So it was kind of it infected me. No disrespect to you, Alfie. <laughs> <laughs> it like. It, Though sometimes that can just happen, like that's how uh, the buzz surrounding a film gets passed on, right? It's yeah, like you yeah. hear good things about it and you pass it on, and it's like a water cooler. It's free marketing, um, but yeah, I, I I was apprehensive, yeah, um, particularly also because I'm I think going in, I wasn't sure I was in the right mood for a, like a two hour, fifteen minute long film about uh, a sort of stuffy professor bloke, and I knew that about that already. Uh, I don't know what. Yeah, so I was apprehensive. Is my long answer to your question? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, so, but um, oh yeah, no, no, yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, also, I I heard I I was getting slightly sceptical about the sort of um, post processing surrounding, like literally the the introduction of the grain and like they use the old film logos and oh, the yeah. old Universal. Yeah, yeah. So they really like. I do find that quite sometimes like a it can be a bit of a crutch that a film hides behind. A hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent agree. That's right. sort of like a you know like a just a naff attempt to placate the sort of current cultural swath of nostalgia, like poorly earned nostalgia. Yeah, like just relying too heavily on retro aesthetic. I think. Yeah, is, yeah, it's an easy way of putting it. Yeah, not that it's an easy thing to achieve. Like it's hard to make a film shot on a digital camera make look make it look like film like it just is but at the same time that as soon as those logos came on and then like the opening and like focus features and stuff i was like ah oh. that creates an expectation yeah exactly yeah. yeah um miramax logo came up yeah weird it's not something i've seen for a long old time really long time Trying to squeeze that back in now aren't they <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm, yeah i thought that does i mean i know it they sold it didn't they the weinstein sold it to some someone else and yeah. then they formed twc uh, which is gone, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just it, yeah, the association is still there clearly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I remember we looked at each other going, "Bloody hell!" It's yeah, more like a surprise. Like, yeah, what are you yeah. doing back? It's very odd. I uh, guess now it's in different hands. I mean, I don't mm, know, but it's yeah, still strange. Yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, I and I think on that, you know, with those slightly, I was slightly concerned, but uh, I largely enjoyed the holdovers very much. Just quickly on the technical aspect. Yeah, go on. Sorry, uh, because I was sort of semi-aware of it from your outro in last week's episode. Yeah, about that as about that being something they wanted to do. It's obviously shot digitally, but you know, in the pursuit of, uh, I guess, sort of the cementing thing. the viewer in the in the era. Yeah, they yeah. added that sort of grain from a someone whose whose mind is far more technically astute than mine. Was that something that was noticeable to you, or do you think it worked? I actually was surprised at how little they employed it. 
The grade, yes. yeah. The, I, I thought it would be a lot more overt and like yeah, you'd yeah. see cigarette burns and you'd see those kind of scratches you get mm-hmm. and it'll be like a film overlay download. Like I've got like loads of them download from YouTube. Just like old film stock, 8mm, you know. I thought it would be more like that. Right. right. Actually, they pulled back on it enough for me yes. to kind of, for it to recede and for it to be something that like occasionally I'd observe a little crackle, but it was quite nice. So, and the grade is like very 70s. It looks... I mean, fair play to the colour grading. It is really, a, like, quite an achievement. Yeah. Um, it looks yeah, yeah. really unique. Very brown. It, it reminds me of going to, like, a like an old Victorian building and walking up the stairs and they creak. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, There's yeah. that kind of varnished old oak, English oak sort of mm. stuff. Public schoolboy sort of... You know, that's... sort of yeah. There's a sort of like prestige to it, but there's a coldness as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And it, it's sort of harking back to the days when boarding schools were really popular, and there wasn't mixed schools, anything like that. Yeah, like, yeah. It's very much, and it does that in in the color grade of a film, which is really impressive. Yeah, um, I agree. I will say that right now. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pleased to say that. Uh, like you that that I wasn't you know despite my initial reservations um I was re- just really it was just I, I guess I was just like after the first few minutes I was just really prepared just to accept it mm, yeah yeah uh, and I think that's the sign of a good a good Alexander Payne movie you know oh yeah definitely because he does have that habit like once you've sort of established the sort of rhythm I was mm. sort of I was quite looking forward to it obviously I always look forward to going to the cinema but I was looking forward for an experience like that just to settle into a rhythm and just be taken along with it. Yeah, I know that's kind yeah. of the point of watching any movie, but the sort of the, the pacing and tones and themes of his other films have sort of have taught me to sort of expect a certain feel. Yeah, that just yeah. Sort of takes you, and I was really prepared for that. Yeah, no, me too. I I agree. I think like the the way that the characters are established is like as we were saying, like very kind of obvious, and it's like you get little moments with them at the beginning that sort of establish with you know they, <laughs> the the establishing moments are kind of flopped out in front of you, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I liked the um, is his name? What's his name? Paul, the, the kid, the boy in it. I've already forgotten his name. Uh, the there's. There's a boy in it. <laughs> the young man. The young man. The young man Paul, of the I three. Think. Yeah. The youngest person of the three sort of main characters. So I thought, because I knew from the trailers uh, that he was sort of, the idea is that he was troubled, and I thought, okay, this is the moment where they established that he's either getting bullied or is a massive bully. And it was sort of a in-between-the-two. He actually was mixing quite well with the other, um, the, sort of his fellow students, which I was thought was quite you know, I wasn't prepared for that and it was quite refreshing to yeah. see that yeah, yeah. as an establishment of you know his his character I thought that was quite good so he holds his own and he clearly isn't one to take any shit but equally there's sort of you could see that there was some vulnerability there as yeah. well yeah 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 so that was a really nice way to, to and it's open. a vulnerability that's exposed when he tries to shovel shit on other people yes yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. agreed yeah, I really thought it was a really effective, like, it sets up the three characters. Uh, you know, it's these sort of three tales of sort of quiet anguish mm, that become yeah, intertwined yeah. with one another, another through circumstance. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. You know, you've got um, Paul Giamatti's character who, you know, spent the vast majority of his, well, the entirety of his professional life teaching in this one place. Mm, yeah. Uh, and whilst he sort of espouses to... To, to love it which I think he kind of does I think it is sort of genuine he settled into it so yeah. much that he probably convinced himself yeah. he does love it there's, yeah. there's this sense that 
you know the things that he hasn't done in his life for example like meeting someone yeah right like book writing or that book or mm. going traveling those things have sort of passed him by which is yeah. a classic again we talked about it's classic sort of Alexander Payne theme yeah. life passing people by mm. and then needing this sort of moment of like emotional I don't know it sort of rejigs them recalibrates them this sort of spiritual reawakening yeah yeah that sort of sets them on a path to self-improvement yeah uh <laughs> Again, it's sort of old as time, that theme, but Payne is so good at it. Then you've got Mary Lamb, the character. Okay, played yeah. Played by, yeah. Uh, I think it's Devine Joy Randolph. I'm, okay. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, yeah. And she is a, sort of, she works in the cafeteria of this sort of prestigious uh, sort of boarding school. Yeah. And her son um, has recently died in Vietnam, was yeah. drafted and was killed in Vietnam. Yeah. And it's alluded that pretty overtly, and I think in, in one of the few times the overt nature really works is that the other kids weren't picked because they come from these they're, they're white they're wealthy they yeah. come from these wealthy families which means they dodge the draft just by the very nature of yeah. what, the life they've been born into whereas um, Mary's son is black yeah, uh, not particularly well off only really has that position because his mum's worked incredibly hard for it and in the same institution that's and, right, yeah, yeah. It's drafted. It's sort of alluded to that he's drafted for that reason and dies yeah. as a result. There's a, there's a theme about uh, affluence and wealth and its influence on your education. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it sort of runs through well, class that. Class and race. So yeah, Playing completely. a significant role, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that extends to the... Uh, I'm going to call him Paul. Um, is it Paul? It is Paul, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it extends to kind of Paul's... Uh, own fear of getting drafted because he sort of feels like although he is clearly f- like I think his his mother's married into a wealthy family he, he, the uh, the kind of rift that causes yeah within the, the dynamic of, yeah. uh, military academy isn't it that's like, exactly right yeah. yeah so there's that which is a lot more complicated than just the class your, your class directly influencing your ability to get drafted it's like how can you fall down the ladder or how can you climb up it and what is you know what can what implication does that have on your education and what what you're going to do people, afterwards yeah. yeah and how people perceive you as well i think yeah there's that great line from paul dramatic's character he says life is like a it's like a, a ladder in a chicken coop oh yeah sure and shitty yeah most people. yeah <laughs> and you're lucky that you're born into wealth you have to dodge a lot of this shit mm, yeah yeah I thought that was quite a good, quite a powerful line after um, yeah. one of the sort of more entitled little shits mm. who has to stay over Christmas makes a sort of overt, uh, is overt in his criticism of the presence of um, Mary's character, who is yeah. also there. And I thought that was a really, yeah, just a sort of quite telling moment in that, you know, there's obviously there's this sort of resentment. Yeah. And I think Paul Giamatti's character has this resentment towards wealth, not just in the children that he teaches every day, but in the sort of model of the college, you know, like, yeah, you know, he is under constant pressure by the, I guess, principal mm. of, of, of the school to give higher grades than these kids deserve because a lot of these people... Uh, the spawn of like trustees and it's all they're yeah. funding the gym aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. and, and like money has just found its way into this education system and reinforcing these sort of stereotypes about wealth and how it's sort of like mm. you know buys favor and buys you know uh, 
the this idea of intelligence. Yeah, know? yeah. I thought that was a really interesting sort of side theme. I think you're right that it was it was quite prominent at points, but it sort of fades away as the film goes on to become more about this sort of this sort of it's a dynamic between yeah, the two, really. Three, yeah, well, three, but then two, and then three again. Yeah, it, sorry. Like, yeah, I should. Yeah, we should say. say no, three, no, you're really. right though, because you know the sort of Boston scene is where a lot of the emotional, you yeah, know, bonding between the sort of two characters really happens. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, I I really liked that element. I also really liked just the way in which the sort of quiet anguish of these characters plays out. They've all got their respective sort of wounds, I guess. Mm, yeah, and. On, on paper, some of these wounds are definitely worse than others, but I think Payne deserves credit for sort of giving them equal sort of time yes. to show how they've contributed to the state of each individual. Yeah. And yeah. the way they, the, the, where they are, and like, you know, how difficult it is to recover. Yeah, you know, yeah. those things. I don't know, yeah, I thought it was really well done in that regard. If not overt, I mean, it's really overt, like within like, you know, in the dialogue that's exchanged between the characters after the holdover period, so... For those who haven't seen the film and are happy for us to spoil it, you know the holdover is where it's a term I was never aware of, but it's no, I think um, it's an American, yeah, American thing, yeah, yeah. Uh, where you know kids that are staying at school don't, for whatever circumstance, don't go home for Christmas. They have yes. to stay, and that means there has to be like a very sort of, I say, skeleton, a pretty much minimal staff mm. to sort of look after them for the Christmas period. Uh, so, and it pushes these three characters sort of in very close proximity with one another. Yeah. And I guess in a way to sort of offset the criticism about the lack of subtlety, I guess when you're in that, that in each other's space, maybe the guard does drop and people are a lot more explicit in the sort of detailing the origin of their sort of personal trauma. Yeah. All with the exception of Angus. It's Angus is his name. Is it Angus, the boy? Oh, oh the rich prick. Yeah. No, yeah. no, Angus is the, the, the main boy, isn't it? Oh yeah, Angus Tully. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the, the prick is played by I've got the phone. Uh, it's he's Teddy, right? Brady okay. Hepner does a brilliant job playing the most insufferable little shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something that happens at the end with him, which I want to talk about. Yeah, which is yeah. good. A nice yeah. bit of comeuppance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're in close proximity with one another, and then I guess that allows Alexander Payne to sort of, or uh, you know, the script to really. You know, ladle on exactly mm. what it is that's causing this sort of trauma. And again, yeah. the aforementioned loss of the son. Uh, when in the case of Angus, his parents have left him, or his mum has left him for holdovers, even though he was supposed to be going on holiday to St Kitts, I believe. Yeah, and then she was taken into Boston, which was quite significant. Yeah, as well. yeah. yes, and uh, and she's uh, sort of sacked him off in favour of spending time with this new wealthy husband of hers. Yeah. And it's implied that his father has passed away. Mm. Paul Giamatti, again, there's that sort of sense that, you know, that he's let life pass him by. And even though he might not necessarily be explicitly explicit in his regret, it definitely weighs on him, I think, in moments of introspection that perhaps he could have been a bit more adventurous in all avenues of his life. Yeah, and, and the way he's dealing with it is kind of interesting. Like, he's kind of... He's a classic stick-in-the-mud character, right? But yeah. he also drinks heavily, which I thought was... And he's a massive hypocrite as well. Like the way he teaches, he teaches, and his sort of teaching style is a direct contradiction of his own lifestyle. Yeah, uh, yeah which is yeah. presented quite fun in a quite a funny way, which is clever because usually that makes characters horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was just quite funny in this. I one. think it's central to the human human nature of, of all three characters. This that the con, you know what makes you human is contradiction, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, but I think you're right. Yeah, to point that out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I, I just I thought maybe thinking about it, maybe the lack of subtlety sort of works in that context. But you know, yeah. the, there is no sort of expense spared in that department. You are very, it's very clear what the characters are feeling, yeah. why they're feeling it, with the exception of anger, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, his so he keeps saying his dad's passed away. Yeah, but then you realise his dad's in. He's obviously had some kind of mental uh, illness, mental illness. Yes, it's implied that it's. Uh... Like schizophrenia. Okay. I, know, I know that's a very broad term for a lot of different specific things, but um, I think that was the general implication. I did, they didn't really delve too deep into what was going on with his dad. It was more how it was affecting Paul. Is it Paul or Angus? I'm Angus. confused. <laughs> Why did I say Paul? <laughs> I'm confused. I really Paul is Paul Giamatti's character's name. Yeah, I got it wrong. Uh, I'm gonna uh, yeah. Angus and Paul. Paul is Paul Giamatti's character. Angus is can't remember the fucking actor's name. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry, everyone, but you know, you know what we're getting at. The boy, the 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 young, the young lad. lad. Yeah, yeah. Dominic Sessa. <laughs> That's the it. Name. Yeah, very yeah. good. Very, very. Um, considering it was introducing him, so he'd not been in a film before. He was pretty. His performance was really great. Yeah, good. Something kind of interesting happens with the way the way they handle the rich prick. Uh, in that he's he's met with basically just swathes of anger, and rightly so. Like it's quite a cathartic moment, you know, when he gets sort of thrown to the floor or chastised, but by uh, Paul in in the film. But then at the end, what I thought was really interesting, and it's sort of a, a, maybe more of a subtle sort of character development thing, is yeah, it, the he's just met with indifference as opposed to anger. Yeah. I quite like that. I quite like the. There's a bit where like there's like a kind of slight confrontation at the end between Angus and and this guy, and Angus is like, no man, I don't. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't kind of rise to him at all. No, I yeah. thought that was quite good. Yeah, yeah. What I quite I quite liked about it was you know the the sort of acerbic nature of the exchanges between between all of them didn't really soften, even if mm. their relationship grew. And became you know something that was a lot sweeter. Yeah, you know you yeah. can tell that the the guards come down and and the roles that they play in term time drop as they would. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. In, in equal space. measure as well. Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I liked how those were. And I think you know the way in which they sort of build this temporary family together mm. is it's really well done, but not at the expense of the film's more sort of like again that sort of acerbic sharpness that which yeah. pain's all about, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, it was great to see those sort of boundaries get broken down. Uh, and they, when it started, there was like loads of talks about you know Paul Giamatti is always mentioning detention all the time. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. And the way that that is shifted to a more kind of natural family dynamic is quite yeah. good and quite s- slow, slow enough, not subtle, but slow enough for it to be a kind of breakdown as opposed yeah. to like a like you say you know like, the, like a big moment which yeah. which changes everything and that's not the case I thought maybe that would happen with Boston and it didn't yeah. it was more of a slow kind of uh, the respect is earned gradually and that was really nice to see yeah mm. I think it's the sort of realisation they've got quite similar outlooks and views on the world yeah as a result yeah. of their hardships yeah definitely and there's a really sweet moment I really like the moment when they're having a meal together Mm. And it's after he's gone to see his dad, and he's obviously quite low. And again, in, in that sort of classic sort of style, he tells Paul everything about his dad and what happened. And, yeah, yeah. And Paul Giamatti's sort of saying, "Well, you know, you're not your father's son; you're your own man." And 
Yeah, that's I thought really that was good. really that was probably one of my favourite lines of dialogue from Paul Giamatti in terms of delivery because it was it was very sincere, very wasn't sincere, it? Yeah, very sweet, mm. but you know there was still this sort of sense of the roles were sort of there. Yeah, I think yeah. it's almost like he feels like he has to maintain this role as mm. a, as this sort of teacher, but you can tell it's like cracking under this desire just to sort of support someone yeah. that he's actually quite fond of. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked that moment. I that was, was a great. nice moment. Yeah, and it, in in classic pain fashion, it's interrupted very, very suddenly. Yeah, uh, by something by quite sort of like, like a sort of dull exchange. It's a dessert a, or something. Yeah, yeah. With a dessert, yeah. <laughs> um, but though that moment kind of punctuates. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that is a great line. I remember that line really clearly as well. You are. He goes like, "You're a pain in the ass, but you're not your father." Yeah, oh, that was really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Um, I didn't think it was as funny as his other films. It had like seven jokes in it. I remember you saying this last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I will stand by that. And I do think that most, that some, you can still define it as a comedy. It only needs For to sure. have about seven jokes. But yeah, it isn't as funny. And some jokes for me were a bit, especially at the beginning. I was like, not, not buying that. Didn't land. Didn't find that funny. And so, and you know when you hear laughs in the cinema, and you're like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um no, you're right. I think it's they were, well, they were funny right. moments for sure, but they yeah. weren't the moments that I think they were it felt like the writer was hedging his bets on certain moments being funny and mm. it wasn't those that I found as funny. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's also a couple of things that really don't really go anywhere. Like there's a another teacher and there's there's a great moment with her with that teacher. Uh, that we'll talk about in a second, but um, her niece, so Angus and her niece, like start copping off, and then that's it. Like nothing ever happens again. I don't know. Can you maybe? Is I it, maybe it speaks to sort of transient nature of teenage emotion. Yeah, you, have, you seem to have a lot of these sort of fleeting sort of. Yeah, not that I ever did as a teenager. I just stayed inside, <laughs> played Halo, and masturbated. But I mean, like you know, apparently a lot of teenagers do that kind of stuff. Maybe. Yeah, back in the seventies when there wasn't any Xboxes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't sort of sleep in this sort of uh, digital embrace of the Master Chief. <laughs> no. And Cortana. No. Oh. oh. <laughs> anyway, um, my surrogate yeah. mother. Maybe. I mean, it, God, I, I, he was I, a joke. That's lame. <laughs> Cortana's here. <laughs> oh, I. Yeah. No. But, um, <laughs> wow. That's a reference that spans twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that moment for me, uh, I remember thinking because it was a really sweet moment, uh, doing sort of like a uh, Jackson Pollock esque kind of oh, yeah, painting. Yeah. But um, that, not that it needed to go anywhere, it might have bogged down the film a little bit too much if there was a kind of budding yeah, relationship. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I, I, th- I think yeah, for the, for the sake of keeping it uh, brevity, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I think it. Maybe just left leave it at that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. And I, I really, I think it sort of was one of those things. It was almost like it was also like the moment in the uh, ice rink where mm. you get the impression that Angus is is never really been allowed to be a kid. Yeah, yeah. Because of the, like his sort of like the you know the the trauma of having like a a father with a deteriorating mental illness and a mother that's obviously got her own you know, obviously dealing with it and and yeah. You know, went off and married someone else, and she, I'm sure she has her own reasons for doing that. Yeah. But it, you know, the focus is on Angus and how that's impacted him, and you know, it, you can tell that he really hasn't been able to be a child. And mm. it's in those moments where he's sort of like laughing and play, almost with you know, just the act of ice skating, just it just 
so much joy seems to bubble mm-hmm. bubble up from it. And I thought it was another really lovely moment and yeah. shows how important those things are. And it, it really instructed the sort of warmer. It's when things started to get quite warm between Paul and Angus was after that moment. It was like, yeah. And it's, it's quite a sort of a vulnerable moment from Angus's perspective to show that side of himself. And yeah, yeah. I thought that worked really, really well um, as a nice sort of character moment. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And also the the scene. Um, well, it was Christmas dinner, and the way that that, that uncomfortable silence forces uh, Paul to to say, "Okay, let's go to Boston." Yeah, that yeah. was really great. And like, I don't know why I found it great because it shouldn't be because it's so obvious, and it's like the line of the di- the dialogue is just so obvious, but it really worked, and it kind of yeah, there was a great warmth to it, which I think is down to pain in the performances. Yeah, there's life in those kind of things, isn't there? I think it's mm. sort of quite nice to realise that there's life in cliches sometimes and, and, and mm. predictability if yeah, it's done yeah, sincerely yeah. enough. Another True. great scene would be um, Mary goes to her sister's oh, and my she God. puts her son's, her deceased son's baby stuff in the same drawer because yeah. her sister is expecting a child. And yeah. I didn't see that coming. Like I thought it was a hat box. I thought maybe some military hat that she takes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Because of this sort of indication of you know that the characters are obviously the sort of trauma of losing people in, in conflict is something that's very present, but it's without the sort of excessive nationalist element that's often tagged on to loss. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Which I thought was really good. But mm. I, I really liked that it was something so sweet. And mm. so that was actually the moment where her... Obviously, you know... On a human level, you're going to feel that sort of ang- anguish. Fire yeah, empathy, I think the Christmas Eve party was the other moment where yeah. it was sort of laid bare, but more overt. Yeah, but and l- less visual, and that that hat box is real, like bombshell, horrible. Yeah, but it was sweet. Really, moment. Yeah. yeah, and then the and then the sister comes in, and they have like again, they regress back to this sort of teenage state where they're sat on beds chatting yeah, and having a laugh. Yeah. And, that was a really nice moment. Didn't, uh, her husband kind of briefly look in and he's just like, oh, Shakes his head, yeah, I'm not yeah. going in there. <laughs> yeah. That was bizarre, I thought. It was like <laughs> a weird way to sort of introduce the scene to have this sort of like <laughs> husband that's not even in it really just shake his head and go, nope, and yeah. walk out. A bit <laughs> odd, but whatever. Oh. Best performance in the film. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. well done. Oscar, yeah. Oscar Nom, maybe. We should set up a new category for like someone that's just in a film for like 10 best, seconds throughout best, the entire film. Background, non speaking, reactionary role kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, like 10, yeah. there's like 10 people per yeah, category. Yeah. Uh, Highly coveted, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really well paced. Yes, as well. I agree. Like, I was in. I there were no moments where I thought this is dragging. Because you're you're hot on that, aren't you? Film runtime is oh, something. Man. That I'm, I think I'm a little bit more lenient than you are with that. And I did think I did wonder. I did think I did wonder. <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if that's gonna great you because I know that you're quite hot on that or something that yeah no um, I didn't know but like and actually that's something I didn't mention in the poor things episode but that did suffer from. Uh, moments yeah, of, of or you know like yeah, yeah. slower moments but yeah, yeah. yeah no hold of has really kept the pace going despite the fact that it's effectively talking mm. right there's not a lot, not a lot of action goes on in that but the way that it's constructed is very kind of lean even though aforementioned two, two hours 14 13 14 minutes but like it I didn't really I remember when the ending was kind of you know the last shot of the car and I remember thinking if they cut to something else now, I won't be that gutted. Like yeah, I, I'm yeah. quite keen to spend more time with these people. Which yeah, is, yeah, uh, a bit of a rarity. 
yeah, it's interesting you talk about that lack of physicality in his films because his films tend to have that big moment, like in Sideways, is when they break into that guy's house. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, wallet yeah. back. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And this is Angus sort of, again, demonstrating another side to that childlike thing of, like... Uh, defiance yeah yeah dislocating his arm when he oh that's it yeah that was a bit silly I thought I, I didn't really yeah. it was just so he seemed like a way in which the characters were going to have to be sort of forcibly put together in a situation which would make them more emotionally sort of available okay yeah it um, was pretty slapstick yeah I mean again it didn't again it was kind of like <laughs> But like I don't know, like didn't count as a joke for me. No, and it felt like I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It feels like you can really see the intention of the writer there to push things along, and mm. it needed this sort of event. Yeah, and obviously yeah. Alexander Payne has like one moment of physical comedy in his films, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, or like yeah. a prolonged moment that takes up like the whole scene, as in <laughs> the aforementioned yeah. scene in Sideways. But yeah, I thought that was a bit bit naff, but. That was yeah. the only thing that really, again, it's very minor niggle, but that was the only thing that really sort of lingered as a criticism for me, really. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. If, if there's anything I thought maybe could have been improved. Uh, no, not really. No, the once once it got going, I was settled in for the yeah. ride, which was yeah, which is always lovely in, in the cinema because it can go drastically the other way around yeah, sometimes yeah. and you're there and you're like, right, well, can't even check my watch. It's too dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, Where would it rank for you? Uh, his filmography. Ooh. I was thinking about this on the way back uh, from work today. I was thinking, I wonder where it sits. Probably. S- I think it'd be like third or fourth. I think. Okay. Yeah. I might even go so far as to say it's second for me. Oh wow! Purely okay. because it was like a really nice theatrical experience, and any criticism, I, the criticisms that I have. Are minor and can be forgiven, and actually, any other way might have been worse. Yes. So yeah, it might be second after Sideways for me. Oh wow. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that okay. for now. I think just it was just a, it was just an enjoyable experience. Oof. Um. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe enhanced by the cinema. I don't know if 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 I had watched it at home, it, I might have been a little bit less patient with it. Mm. Not sure. Followed closely by, I liked about Schmidt quite a lot. Actually, I thought mm. that was really good. That's the thing. I, I, I just don't know where it would sit with the other. Obviously, Sideways is definitely first, and maybe Election second. I, I don't know. I quite like Election. So that's the uh, sort of po- Ferris Bueller kind of twenty yeah. years later. Yeah, kind of thing, that's right? it. The sort of the nightmarish <laughs> uh, conclusion to Ferris Bueller's life. You know, just sort be- of middle-aged pudgy teacher. He yeah, likes teachers, doesn't he? He's not yeah, sort of. Um, it's a common theme. Yeah, those that can't do teach. It's yeah. a very common theme in his films. <laughs> yeah, which I don't believe. <laughs> 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 Absolutely not. No, I mean, uh, my a lot of my family are teachers, so um, maybe that's why I have a lot of reverence for pain. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nebraska, maybe after that for me, after about Schmidt, or maybe Nebraska first. Yeah. And then the Descendants will be second to last for sure. And then, and then obviously downsizing. Last. Well, yeah, I mean, Jurassic Part Three as well. You did write it, so it's essentially a part of. <laughs> it's all a different pain verse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I forgot that you ride that. I think I knew that somewhere. It's something I'd read before and thought, what? And forgot about it until you mentioned it. Yeah, he's it. got a credit in... Uh, he's got... There's, he did some uncredited work on another film, which is really baffling. Oh, really? Um, I don't think Jurassic Park 3 is as bad as people say it is. Uh, I like... There's there's a good uh, bit in like in the middle where it's... Like the animal's been 
the like Jurassic birds being put in cages. Oh yeah, yeah. And then there's a parachute in it. That that was quite a good moment. Uh, thanks, <laughs> thank you, Alexander Payne. Yeah, for that. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Um, Probably his idea. Isn't William H Macy in it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Tia Leone. Tia Leone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I my mate had it on video, and it was he didn't have the other two. So yeah. he put he put it on. And that was the film I went the Jurassic Park film, the only one I went to see in the cinema. I think I was too young for Jurassic Park, obviously. Oh really? Lost World, I think. I, oh no, maybe I saw Lost World in the cinema. I can't remember. That was ninety seven, Lost World. Oh, maybe not. Um, oh yeah, he did an uncredited writing work on Meet the Parents as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can sort of see that. Yeah, there's a sort of crossover there. Even if it is like a more overt sort of, sort of standard American comedy, you can see that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's sort of some... bizarre familial awkwardness, which mm. he's very good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, enjoyed it. Me too. Seek it out. Mm. That's all I'll say. I say that about a lot of films that we talk about. <laughs> yeah. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outro. Outro. Questing the cinematic void. There we have it then. There we have it then. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um Lucky Boy. Yes, finally, after <laughs> forty two episodes of You really had to fight me for that. Because uh, that's yeah. that's my thing saying that and Yeah. You know, we we, we did a sort of women in love style <laughs> scrap. Yeah. But uh, we didn't have a fire, so Yeah. <laughs> in front of a radiator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh radiator was turned off. Um so it was actually it was just cold metal. Yeah. But I enjoyed I, it. I enjoyed I, it. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I thought, our, sort of, our sort of cold, sweaty backs going <laughs> yeah. against it. I enjoyed that. As did I. I Good enjoyed film. the film. Going to see it yesterday. It was uh, it was a, a pleasure. Ava Mead's busier than yeah. expected again, which is good. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean it's the, the it's the only multiplex in Bristol now, right? Uh, Apart from obviously View, but that's Cribs Causeway. So technically yeah, I, yeah, that's South Gloucestershire technically, just a postcode wise. So. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think well, again. I think we've talked about this a lot, but I, what I love about it is just like a relic to the sort of. The, you know when when the idea of a multiplex was exciting. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we can. There's a whole new other conversation to be had about how that impacted like independent cinemas. But you know, for our generation, that was the thing to do, wasn't it? So yeah, and it's, it's, it's. I mean, the, the seats obviously different in the cinema, but the the foyer I think has been deliberately kept in that way in that spirit. Oh yeah, and it it's like it wouldn't surprise me if they shot like a bit of Stranger Things outside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it has that sort yeah. of neon vibe about it yeah it's just great well, yeah i love it love yeah. that place i just keep saying vibe anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah mm. enjoyable next week uh something i have been looking forward to for a very 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 long time yeah zone of interest yes jonathan glazer uh a man that's responsible for one of my absolute favorite all-time films or my favorite films of the last it was certainly more than one of the more recent favorite films uh under the skin yes and the initial sort of buzz around this film, you know, a lot of people are calling it, again, giving it similar praise, if not more uh, so. Perfect. So, again, it's a buzz you want to avoid, but, you know, go to the watershed once or twice and they've already started advertising it. And the trailer's great as well. It's like a really good trailer because it doesn't really give a lot away, but you get a sense. It's like a snapshot of the sort of feeling of the film. Nice. It lingered with me 
went like into the starting of a completely different film oh, that wow, I was watching. Okay. You know, yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, really excited. Huge Jonathan Glazer fan. Again, love Under the Skin. So yeah, can't wait. Yeah, we'll ch- probably talk about Under the Skin in a bit of detail as well. Oh yeah, any time. Yeah. I think we have talked about it before, but fuck it, we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to try and rewatch it. I'm going to watch the trailer for uh, Zone of Interest. I'm going to watch the trailer for that, and then I'll try not to... I won't look anything up. I'll go into it blind. If the trailer is, you know, muted in that respect, all, all the better for it, I think. Yeah. The Under the Skin script is great. I, I read it periodically. Do you? Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. What, uh, in, in the portions of the film where there's clear kind of improv... You know the bits in the truck. Yeah. What what's that? So is there that is stage there, direction. Yeah, there is there is dialogue in it. Right. Uh, yeah. In those scenes, sorry, uh, but I yeah I I imagine there's a lot more freedom there because that mm. was the sort of whole point of the experiment. Yeah, yeah. I'm crazy how they shot that stuff. Yeah. With with the, you know Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And we'll talk about it next week. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. But, no. No. Again, I, I can feel the temptation from both <laughs> of us to really dig into that. But yeah. yeah. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Mm. Uh, thank you for your support as always. We'll see you in the next one. See you then. Bye. Bye. Not see you, but... Well, yeah.